There is a fifth dimension. A dimension of sound. Damn it, Frank! We tell him to be quiet. I spill my hot cup of Uranus again. A dimension of sight. Hey, Arch. I'm gonna sock you in the puss. A dimension of mind. Nan Adams, is that you? Ah! Ah! Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Fifth Dimension of Twilight Zone podcast. I am, of course, your host, Nick. I am the non-waving host of this podcast because I, uh, you know, three eggs, as they say. Yeah, I'm back. I'm no longer sick. I don't feel like I'm dying. And uh, yeah, that's a good thing because uh, we're here to talk. What I would consider with, up there with Eye of the Beholder is one of the most famous episodes of not only TV, or I should say of not only the Twilight Zone, but of TV in general. Um, it's pretty it's pretty important to what made the twilight zone special but uh before we begin of course we're on audio feeds like anchor soundcloud audio boom all that good stuff once again i told you guys earlier thank you so much for filling in for me last week like i said i thought i was dying uh triv as you're aware as you (laughs) (laughs) jacob i appreciate you guys filling in for that episode that uh, apparently i liked better than you guys i didn't realize i did that (laughs) Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's rare. The one episode you're not on, and you're like, "Oh, I like that one more than you guys." You you wanted to put it around fifty or something, didn't you? Yeah, I did. But you guys made a lot of points that made sense. So, um, holy shit, it, we it made, made sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, until you guys started guys doing start doing your egg talk, and oh, you know, Jacob said my points are not valid because I'm not here. You know that type of thing. <laughs> you know what, Jake? I'm no, gonna I'm say kidding. this. My here points now. weren't valid when I wasn't here when you guys <laughs> talked about our chance to dream. That is yeah. true. And I will say though, Jake, I just between you, me, and Chris, I'm just gonna say it. I think that Nick is resurrected and came back as part devil. <laughs> Probably because he's yeah he's only eating two eggs today instead of three. I know, and he's not yeah, lazy. Right. <laughs> I only had he's I only had a, the field. He's being very eccentric today. <laughs> I only had a. Oh, this is see, I usually, Jesus Christ. Is the yolk I, on I, us? See, oh my god! Shut up. <laughs> are, are you cracked? <laughs> no, I. Oh my god! So usually, uh, usually I eat a triple decker peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I only ate a uh, single single decker peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So you're probably right, Jacob. So gasp. Yeah. I don't want to like go too far out there, come off as egotistical. <laughs> see what I see, Chris. What happens when I I'm not here for a week? It all hell breaks loose. No, I'm kidding. I, well, no um, raining him in. Just got egg on his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you but feel either like way, a yokel? Oh my god. <laughs> but either way thank you so much for filling in guys dan thank you as well i know you're probably listening to this as well so i appreciate it before we get into another thing i do want to introduce our our guest host that's on um because apparently i wait to do that forever before i introduce people um you have seen this gentleman on my my channel before we did the of course indiana jones raiders lost ark i think you were on for another podcast i did at one point uh but chris from movies and munchies is here to talk this seminal episode um chris thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it i know you uh-huh. are very busy in your life and you know dealing with the heat in your channel which is doing awesome but uh yeah it's, it's much appreciative for you to come on well i appreciate the invite thanks for having me this is gonna be fun yeah, you guys yeah. are weird yes we are <laughs> we are definitely weird mind. my kind say- of weird though <laughs> That in mind, Nick, did you call this a, a seminal episode? Mm-hmm. Oh he did. God, I didn't true. I didn't want to go there, but yes. 
Oh, we see, go there. See, this go is- there, please. <laughs> <laughs> See, we always joke that uh, before Jacob came on, we were we were a nice Christian well-to-do we episode though. series, and then Jacob came on and brought all the demons and you know the mini sticks on the doors and lifted them up and let the devil. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, I, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Look, you're I the remember, one that wanted I remember to keep the first few episodes. PG. You guys are, or you all like. You weren't beeping things out, but you're like cutting out language and stuff like that. Yeah. Like trying to like hold back stuff. And then like, I want to say like around 15 or something like that. You were like, fuck it. it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Since then, we've but gone Chris... to extremes to, you know, really. Oh my God. And now, Trim, I'm going to that... mute you. <laughs> and that was back during a time that I had a channel where I was probably overly foul mouthed. That's probably why my channel didn't grow. And now I have a channel where there's barely any language. It's all PG. Yeah, that's why I laughed because your uh, your uh, uh, what what is that service Patreon? You yeah. don't even use that 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 phrase anymore. The for your oh, Patreon yeah. people BMF. anymore. I think it's pretty funny. The, You're trying to be tier. family friendly. To, um, you know, maybe tone it down just a little bit. I did. <laughs> well, that explains my uh, channel then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, Chris, I got to ask you, as I always ask every guest that comes on for the first time, because it's the first time you've been on this podcast. You love the Twilight Zone. That's obviously why you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're picking this episode, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But um, what drew, like, as individuals like us, we're we were drew drawn because of like the marathons and stuff like that. You know, something that Rod Sterling. I've actually watched a lot of YouTube videos recently of Rod Sterling. That dude is smart as hell. Like, I, I I don't know if you guys have seen these videos, but this dude like can take people to task. But with that said, um, as somebody who knows you know halfway decent stuff about the twilight zone like what made you like love this series was like what's your favorite episode like what what takes you uh to this series what makes you like it uh, uh probably part of its nostalgia i mean because you know as a kid i was watching these a lot um not that old, but um, it wasn't the first time they were airing, I don't think. Um, I actually am quite certain it was not the first time they were airing because I was not alive then. But yeah, um, the what I know now are the social commentaries. You know, I loved yeah. just that that bite or that twist. And as a kid, I didn't totally get them all, you know, but some of it I would get. Some of it just creeped me out. And it was kind of like that foray into horror almost, even though now you look at it and it goes, it's not really not really scary or anything like that but right. as a kid you know it definitely messed with me i mean the one um and i can't remember the name of the title but uh the the mask one that just disturbs mm-hmm. right you know are you, the, are you talking about where the the rich people are wearing the mask yeah yeah and you, yeah, you're, it's you're the mask yeah yeah so it's i mean beautiful and now looking at it as an adult i mean the the messages within all so many of these episodes are just outstanding. I mean, before we, before we even started, I, we were talking about, um, Oh, where did the list go? Uh, the monsters, uh, come monsters to do or do on maple street. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, the tension that's on that one. And it, yeah, I love it. I love the storytelling. I love the, I love the short format of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, it's, it, you're very creative in a short amount of time. You know, you, it, Sure, you can tell a two and a half hour story and then take your time and kind of get to the point. Here, though, you got to dial in, focus, and and get to it and scare your audience or make them think, and or disturb them or whatever. And yeah, these work. Yeah, I kind of wish that CBS would have listened to Rod Sterling during the fourth season because it's 
Uh, it's funny listening to Rod Sterling talk. Like I said, I went back and watched some YouTube videos of him talking on like whatever channels. He was on like CBS and PBS and stuff like that. And the one thing he says is he wanted to push the boundaries of uh, TV because he feels st- like stuff like The Fugitive was always spinning its wheels. You know, the, 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 the original TV show like The Fugitive and Mission mm-hmm. Impossible. And they never they never really dealt with the social commentary, as you've mentioned, about the Twilight Zone and just the way he like was really, um, really hard on the TV scope because he feels like lessons can be learned while entertaining people. And it's just really fascinating because you never when you think about TV, especially today, it's a lot of um, serialized TV, but. A lot of times it's Game of Thrones, which I'm not complaining because I love Game of Thrones and I love Lost and stuff like that. But as we talked about, I don't think there's a TV show that has ever gone this hard on dealing with like humanistic topics and stuff like that to this point. And I don't think anybody's done it since. And I think that's why Rod Sterling is so famous for it. But this that's why I'm glad you came on this episode because, you know, this is like like the Eye of the Beholder and the Invaders and Monsters doing Maple Street and stuff like that where it really has an interesting message behind us as a human being and stuff like that. And um, as we, as we say, you know, this episode, you know, I'm, I know Jacob, I'm pretty sure you know this episode pretty well too yourself. So, I mean, never heard you of know, it. Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were we supposed to watch this beforehand? Ah, oh, damn it. I thought we were watching it now. <laughs> That's what I thought. So, okay. Watch party? I mean, I, uh, I, I can send you the idiot's guide to the Twilight Zone if you want. You that <laughs> real quick. I don't really need that. I need no, the but um, to anything I'm doing. Yeah. yeah, it's most of us. Oh man. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. Before we actually do that, I do have to say, um, and I told you, Chris, already. Um, last week technically was our two-year anniversary on the podcast, but really? I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, we started uh, the first episode. Actually, ironically, the day we were recording was the was it the re- day we were recording. I, I can't remember anymore. Anyways, like in the span of like the either the last week or this week, uh, whenever we recorded uh, was our two year recording about uh, the first episode of our podcast, which uh, Trev, I don't know how you feel about two years with me, you know, talking <laughs> with me and Jacob, you know, you've been almost two years now and. <laughs> Nick, you as don't we, look as, a day over 84. Uh, I'm still 83 and a half. I'm not 84 <laughs> okay. anymore. Okay. But uh, yeah, I just want to grow on me. You know, it's yeah. Grown on me, kind of like a, you know, assist. <laughs> we just, you just can't fun, get rid of it. Cancer assist. Fun... It really digs in. It's oh, God. Grown on me. <laughs> <laughs> and that assist is perchance a dream. It just oh, won't God. go away. Cancer <laughs> assist and you're growing. It's there right you know what um, you guys are are mushrooms to me you're both really fun guys ah. <laughs> oh that's uh, uh, <laughs> you guys are getting you my, start dad uh, jokes again <laughs> <laughs> you guys are excruciating uh oh, the yolks on no you. but no but, yeah, yeah no but in all honesty seriousness like you know, this is the longest thing I've ever done outside of the YouTube channel. <laughs> That's what and she said. I, 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 Jesus Christ. <laughs> I appreciate Anyways, I appreciate you guys being on for this podcast. I know it's a, you know, as Chris knows, I, you still do. Do you still do a podcast too, Chris? 
I do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Weekly. So, so you know, yeah, nice. you know the the commitment that it takes to do a podcast, and you know, I I've learned in the two I've learned in the last two years that you have to find the right people to do a podcast and be committed to it because it's a very you know I'm pretty sure the the two the three of us you know and you know Chris and yourself would rather be doing something else with you know like going visiting like I don't know fun places like the beach or something like that but we do it because you know we love doing it and it's entertaining but it's a it's definitely a, it's a lot of work so you know that's why i'm always appreciative when you guys come on and 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock at night to do this and so either way Dude, you know, thank you guys you know the closest beach to me is like four hours away i don't know what you you go visit the field of dreams house <laughs> <laughs> I, I travel like an hour to Cocoa Beach and it's like there. So, but no, either. I mean, either way, thank you guys for the two years that we've been doing this. And we're going to do it same however you, long it takes. It's it kills been an us. absolute pleasure. And I look forward to the next 17,000 years, however yeah. long it's going to take to, you know, get through all Especially these. Especially season four. Time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Been fun you guys entirely. are the sir to my ling. Oh my god, the ying to your ling. Or, yes. yeah, okay, I see what you did there. I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> Together we make a, a twilight, a scary on, Nick, door sandwich. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I That's wasn't honest, we could be like, I'm crashing oh and burning. God. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens when I come back on it crashes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, anyways, shush. I will come over there and a... I will I will take your mother out for a really nice steak dinner, and then I will not call her the next day. Yes, she won't. You do she that won't. anyways. She doesn't. You don't even have to threaten me. I'll take your mother to McDonald's. <laughs> there you go. That's it. All right. <laughs> so either way, guys, it's been fun. Two years. Mac. I hope. That, uh, hopefully for another whatever more years we do this thing so anyways with that said we're going to be talking about a seminal episode like i said episode uh season three episode 24 it's called it to again. serve man yeah i know i did were you really excited <laughs> about this episode i was i was really excited uh, no, but um, I mean, this is an episode that everybody knows, which is season three, episode 24. It's a Serb Man, which is directed by Richard L. Bear, written by Rod Sterling, based off a short story from Damon Knight. Uh, production code 4807, air date March 2nd, 1962. Stars Lloyd Bachner, Richard Keel, Susan Cummings, Joseph Raskin, or Ruskin, Hardy Albright. Okay, so... The the disturbed man is once again it's up there with Eye of the Beholder, it's up there with the Invaders, it's up there with Time Enough at Last. It is the episode that usually will be uh, the starting point for a marathon, or will be the concluding point for a marathon because of how important and uh, how uh, it handles itself. And I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> what? He was just talking uh, about the climax. So, Chris, uh, I'll start with you on this episode. You, um, I asked you which episode you want to come on. You said you know you want to come on to serve man. You know we talked about this a while ago. How, like, how long has it been since you watched this episode? And do you remember a lot about this episode even before watching it again? I guess that's the easiest way to put it. Oh yeah. Oh gosh, I don't even remember the last time I had seen it before rewatching it. 
Um, you know, probably I may have caught a clip here or there or something when like maybe my kids were watching, you know, a marathon or something, but it had been forever. And then I rewatched it last week and then I watched it again today. And, um, to, you know, cause it obviously there's, a, there's a lot in there that you, uh, well, I missed, I think even on the first yeah. rewatch. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah, juicy what about one. It is. Yes, it is. It's, um, it has a lot to say. It really does. But what about you guys? What about you or Triv and Jacob? Like, uh, actually, let me go to you first, Jacob. Um, I, I know it's been a while since you watched these episodes, but do you remember <laughs> this episode pretty well? Like, do you remember, like, the idea of what it was doing? And uh, Yeah, like uh, like Chris said, I watched The Twilight Zone a lot when I was a kid. Um, pretty sure it wasn't new then. It was 80s. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I, but then when I picked it back up and when I decided to watch them all marathon, my own little marathon, like late nineties, early two thousands, this was one of the, uh, this, it was actually this and, um, what the, the, our number one. Oh, I have oh, a holder. I have a holder. holder. I think I picked them up on TV when I was, uh, uh around 20 in the late nineties or early two thousands or whatever. And, uh, I saw them and I said, Hey, I want to rewatch all that. And the, so it was this one and that one that really spurred me on to go on that trek um but i haven't watched it since then but i remember it very well it's uh really is it <laughs> seminal twilight zone <laughs> <laughs> no it is quintessential twi twilight zone though it's, it's uh this is like a word when i think twilight zone i do this is one of the first ones that my mind goes to even though invaders is my favorite episode this is probably the most twilight zony of all twilight zone episodes in my mind mm -hmm. like when it, mm -hmm. it, it 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 takes up a lot of mind space there what about you sheriff um so i i mean kind of what you guys said it, it hits so many great notes and when nick and i were talking beforehand it does it, it kind of does something kind of unique it it takes because it is one of those episodes where it is instantly recognizable and it has been parodied in pop culture so much over the course of time but it's one of those unlike ones like time enough at last it holds up underneath its circumstances and not to say time enough at last doesn't but it just this does it so much better in my mind and it just you come in and you're hit in the face with you know the main points you're supposed to take from it but then there's so much more you know it's a it's a it's a full enchilada so. yeah. <laughs> i think it's um i think what helps it too is it's not a very complex episode it's just an episode with very um very humanistic characters people that are, are actually well written and actually make a lot of sense i mean we we've talked about a lot of twilight zone episodes where the characters are just full-on stupid or they're idiots or they're just not well written and here we got characters that like actually have logic to their reasoning like the as we'll talk about like the military men they're skeptical as you know as military people would be and you have you know the the normal people who are just like you know they're they're doing what normal people would do they, they you know at first they freak out and then you know as we do and as the as they talk about you know humans are very trusting sometimes of you know things and it comes back and backfires on them but um i mean i don't know it, it's an episode that like it hinge it does hinge on its ending but it also hinges on the fact that 
you know, it, it, it allows that twist to kind of slowly eke into the story. And I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that as well, because, um, you know, especially with you, Chris, like, you know, unlike us who have seen like a lot of the episodes recently, you know, the episodes you can remember, you know, like this one, does it make it that more impactful to you than it would say, you know, something like last week's episodes, the last rights of J- Jeff Myrtle Bank, which I'm sure you've seen at some point but don't remember very well like like how does that how does that affect you and the nature of like how an episode is told because you know a lot of twilight and episodes you have to rewatch to remember so i love well i like that the twist is held from us for quite a while even though all the information is given to us right up front you know and yeah. that's something that i actually noticed on the the my second rewatch i mean you know they talk about as um as the alien you know the canimate is there um talking about, hey, we can help you repopulate your crops and we can then protect you and all these things, which sounds like very benevolent uh, beings, right? But then once you get to that twist, you look back and you go, oh, well, see, it's just, it's separating um, all of the warring little pigs and then we're going to make them fat and happy. And so then they're going to believe that we're all good to go and they're just going to follow us around, you know, and that's when it just, oh, wait, what crap? (laughs) Yeah, it actually reminds me of uh, in Mars Attacks when they're attacking all the people and they're saying, we're here to help you. We're here to help you survive and they're killing everyone, but um say it is like very much truth from a certain point of view. You know, if you look at the alien perspective, they might say, We are doing all of this good for the time that we want to keep you alive. You know, for as long <laughs> as you live, you'll be happy and prosperous mm-hmm. and peaceful. But that doesn't necessarily mean like the the agenda and like that it's like that cultural change of understanding, you know. What you say in one culture versus what you say in another are two very different things. Well, it's very much like livestock here. You have people that have the humane uh, farms and stuff like that where they, you know, they make the animals, chickens, cows, things like that, their food. They they make them, they allow them to have like nice, plentiful lives and then they harvest them. I look at it kind of like that. I don't think these aliens are thinking they're doing anything bad. They're like, oh, we're giving them a better life than they could ever have and then we're going to eat them. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I actually... I got to ask you guys this question. So the first question I have for all of you guys is, you know, Chris, especially, you, you know, Rod Sterling does like a, a monologue at the end, opening and ending. Am I the only one that thinks that he shouldn't have done an opening narration? That he should just let the, the main character do the narration, the voiceover? Or do you think the character that we are, the main character, in essence, the main character should have not done voiceover and should have been Rod Sterling? Like, what do you guys think about that? Because it's not done. It's not, it's hardly ever done in the Twilight Zone where there is, the main character has a voiceover narration through most of the episodes. So, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I thought that was kind of fascinating. I, I kind of looked at this thing sort of like uh, Sunset Boulevard. You know, you have the narration mm-hmm. of your main character and then you have kind of that outside perspective. I And I know that Rod Serling is kind of like guy in the sky kind of a deal, but I appreciated that just because you do need that second perspective. Otherwise, I think it would have given away too much about the actual um, what was going on. You know, the narration wasn't originally in the episode. Really? The guy's narration. Was it not? Oh, really? Oh. They reshot this episode. This is this episode was shot twice, and they put the episode together from both shoots. Because wow. when they first shot it, Sterling looked at it, and he said, this is terrible. I don't like it. And he went on vacation. He rewrote a bunch of stuff, rewrote a lot of dialogue, and they reshot something like 75% of it. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. And then he, uh, he went on vacation and came back and he was like, yeah, I like this more. And, uh, the, the character's narration in the beginning and the end was part of the reshoots. I, I was waiting help? for the I was waiting for the big joke at the end. I was waiting for really, you like, the truth. No, I, I believe you. No, I was just like I'm sitting here listening to you talk because you I, I you've done it before where you like you got into like a spiel and I'm like, oh yeah, what, what's I'll the punchline? But no, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> interesting because <laughs> this, this is true. Was um was this the was this uh the precursor to uh, Blade Runner? Is this why uh Ridley Scott's like oh, you know I love that to serve man, so I'm gonna put Harrison Ford narration and piss everyone off and absolutely <laughs> probably. I think that was damn unicorns. Um, yeah, yeah. This episode, like, and I'm surprised that I only know this because honestly, I just happened to cross a while back a uh, a channel that I cannot remember the name of them or I'd say it, but uh, they did a, a retrospective on this episode and they told about the whole deal about how they reshot the whole thing wow. and all that and just changed it all up. It's not in. I'm looking here right now and there's no no mention of it for like uh, usually when we see like uh, trivia and stuff like that. You'd think that would show up, but it's not. So yeah, that, but I mean, that, yeah, that narration. I did think that too when when it first started, and this guy was narrating. I was like, "Is Rod Serling not going to have a narration now since this guy's narrating?" Yeah, Jacob's. Jacob's like, "I have a week off, thank God." <laughs> no, <laughs> no he, they did do kind of an interesting thing though, because you do have you know both of their narrations at the beginning mm-hmm. and at the end, and it is actually um, the only episode in the series where someone someone other than Serling directly addresses the, the audience. But not original. Yeah. Um, nope. I, I think I think it's fascinating because it, it allows us, the viewer, to get some sense of like you know there there's something because we we can gather from the when this episode opens and when the the ship lands and Richard Keel, also AKA Jaws, comes into the mix, and you, there's something off about it. Like there's something weird about it. It's something that Richard Keel himself is able to provide. Just this kind of he almost looks like he's like um a mute in a lot of respects not not discounting you know people you know, can't talk or hear or anything like that but there's just something really off-putting and it really I, I don't know and i don't know how you guys feel about this but like the the narration just adds that level of tension that helps the episode just kind of move forward and move to this kind of state of like um uncomfortability and I'm kind of curious of what you guys think about that because you know, as we've seen before, and like the obsolete man, like it, it just there's something always foreboding. I, I don't know. I don't know the best way to put that, but like, I mean, what do you guys think about like the idea of just like using that narration as like a foreboding and just how it's kind of set up and how it tries to make us feel good, but we always know there's some underlining like uncomfortability to it. I guess easiest way to put it. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, Chris? Well, I think, I think narration, I mean, in so many different things, I mean, it serves some wonderful purposes, you know, I mean, like in noirs, it helps set up, you know, what's going on. It puts us instantly into the story without having to um, necessarily show it, which can be lazy. Uh, For this though, I think because it's a compressed runtime, you need to get Mm -hmm. us into the story. You need to get us into what's going on faster. And so I think, you know, an introduction, getting us right into it. Uh, but with Richard Keel, I mean, he's already an imposing force, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a towering hulk of a man. And then you add that prosthetic uh, thing to his head and he becomes even more so. And I think by by having him only look at people and hear his voice that way, I thought that was, I think it plays into the fears 
of people, you know, that there's mind control or that somebody could read my thoughts, that they could understand what's going on in my head without me having to say it. And it just invades all kinds of privacy. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that that's scary. And it's also, you know, as we saw, I mean, gosh, in the, you know, the late fifties and stuff, I mean, that became, you know, the blacklist or whatever, yeah, um, very you much. know, for the, you think, um, you think if he had a nail stuck in his head, he'd be fine. Like it would have been a lot more, make a lot more sense. That just makes him more of a badass, really. Yeah. Uh, he's going to, he's going to beat up Christopher McDonald. Everybody would just be confused. <laughs> That's why he wears the prosthetic to hide yeah. the nail. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, what, what about you guys? What about you two? What do you think? Honestly, when you first see him and obviously he's not, he's not meant to look bored but he looks like he's just going through the motions like people are like oh my god there's this crazy alien ah but he's just like yeah yeah let's see what is the script uh greetings humans let me make your world better blah 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 blah, blah. like and i i think it's more like he's meant to be intense but it comes off as boring but i think that or he's bored but i think that works within the the story i thought he looked special I mean, I hate to say it, but the whole time he's like, <laughs> like that. And, uh, but there's a reason he looked that way. Um, he was actually he's seven exhausted. too. <laughs> well, no, he was, he was, uh, exhausted because he was apparently going between this shoot and a movie called Iga. Oh, Iga. That's Iga. a great, yeah, that's whatever. such a fun movie. It's a MST3K classic. He was shooting both of them at the same time and he was driving between them and getting no sleep. And he said uh, of his performance in this episode, he said it was terrible. I'm surprised they kept it on. And uh, he actually did the original voiceover, but they didn't use it. He said, I don't blame him because it was terrible because I was just worn out and exhausted. So sure. that's probably just him like, I'm about to fall asleep <laughs> looking <laughs> like that. But you know, it's I funny. Thought, like, I thought it worked, though. I mean, he, yeah. he kind of he looked odd. <laughs> I mean, he's very big. And they've added an extra two feet with the head and the lifts and the shoes and all that. He's already seven foot something, but he he looked uh, he looks alien. I mean, they put the head and everything, but you know, and and just that look of kind of I don't know, like Triv said, it's either boredom or just kind of like not totally there. Just made him look even more alien. Well, in the simpleton yeah. aspect of it like yeah. disarms everybody else, right? So then yeah. you don't you don't expect anything. Mm -hmm nefarious coming from him you don't think that this guy could even come up with a plan that would be bad for me yeah yeah the only like, time you um, see any emotion from him by the way i don't know if you guys notice is when in the end if you notice they're putting people on scales before they get on the ship yep oh, and he's yeah, like yeah. grabbing them go and he's like oh, you're a chunky boy <laughs> get up there and first the, the the best part about that segment and um it's one we'll, we'll uh, i'll kind of leave it short is like the the guy that he he has like that um he's like a rich guy or he has like special access or whatever and he's just eating the eating the food he's like we're going on a <laughs> trip and he's just eating and you're just like oh my god i know this oh is the going. russian yeah, ambassador yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but um right i get first class here oh, holy <laughs> <laughs> diplomatic community bitches yeah right this episode is actually <laughs> This episode of the Twilight Zone is so important that it actually was one of the first segments of uh, the Treehouse of Horror from The Simpsons. Um, oh, nice. Is the one where the uh, the Simpsons mistake the uh, Kang and Kodos for being the the aliens. Instead, they were making food like just a 
to give them as meals and stuff like that. And it's just, it's really funny, but you guys should watch it if you get a chance. But Nick um, the tree house of horror, I think I do love you reference something to it every <laughs> week. <laughs> well, yeah, the, sh- the shinning, the shinning's like, there's so many great stuff that reference back to the Twilight Zone. So Richard Keel actually played every single alien yeah. in this. And there's yeah, a shot yeah, where, yeah. where he's like, they did a split screen thing because like he plays both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they're both standing Would there you, near the end, yep. Yep. they're all like Nanu Would Nanu. You, right after you? that cut from has this weird time jump from when they're talking about that was my only issue with the episode. By the way, mm-hmm. when they're sitting there talking about you know what do you she's going to write her book and all that, and he's like, well, I'm on oh. a ten year waiting list and blah 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 blah. Oh. Then it kind of fades <laughs> and he's getting on there. I mean, I blinked. And I was like, did I miss something? I rewound it. I was like, no, they just <laughs> I guess had a time jump. It, it, no, they were like, we we want this for season four, and Rod Stone was like, nope, take out the ten year cut. We're gonna, we're gonna leave it <laughs> twenty four minutes, which was the original Actually, ending, by the way. When he shoved the guy up inside the thing, it was supposed to end there. Ah, interesting. Was it? Yeah, I kind of like that better because it's it's more of a violent ending. Yeah, yeah, it's and um, it is the first show of force that you get from the aliens because everything mm-hmm. up until that point, like they hadn't touched anybody really. Mm-hmm. Other well, than to maybe why... escort them and help them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I kind of like how this episode runs because I, I, I don't think I don't think they meant it to like for the layman idiot people that they thought were watching the Twilight Zone or whatever. I think they put it in there because they wanted to to bookend, you know, yeah, shut up. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, I, I think I think it's actually a pretty decent book. I think it would have been cool to have that ending because it you know, everything that you need to know is given by her at the end of it. But I do like the fact that I do like the fact that at the beginning of this episode, you're given clues to, you know, not trusting these aliens, which is a really fascinating thing, because usually with the Twilight Zone, they have the setup, which here we have a guy named Michael Chambers, which is the Lloyd Bachner, who actually I don't know if you guys know this. He actually uh, reprised the, the role to do a joke in Naked Gun to an half. Oh, that's cool. Which I thought was, yeah. <laughs> apparently they references. did it. To I serve. remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. I've apparently it was in To Serve Man. I've got that. Oh, yeah, that movie's great. CDI. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with, uh, no, that's not the one with Richard Montalban, Ricardo Montalban. Is that the first one? That was the first one. Well, I don't know. Because the queen was there, too. So Wasn't she? She's in all of them, Inge. The queen? Queen, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's really her, but someone. No, it's not, me. but. <laughs> <laughs> with that said, like, we're introduced to this guy who is like on a ship we have no idea why he's on the ship and we know at the end by the end but we really don't know why he's on the ship and then he goes into a voiceover about how we should not ever never trusted these people and you know it's some this idea of like not got well with his in a voiceover <laughs> yeah the narration comes like what five minutes into the episode it comes like why it comes a while into the episode Oh yeah, it is. Oh, we haven't got there yet. Yeah, like I like there's like there's a whole thing <laughs> yeah. about like the the United Nations and you know how the rat race and everything about culture and how we're too trusting and we and then we're too fearful and it goes into all the you know the way the human race is in our our nutshell and then of course the the flying saucer comes in similar to like um with Day the Earth is still or something like that and it's actually footage based... from another movie yeah it is uh that ray yeah it looks like it looks like like um something yeah, out of like uh, uh, dr strange love or something well, like that's how the there, footage there's, looks there's a couple different things so um the long shots of the saucer come from the day the earth stood still um and the 
The Secretary General directly inspired the famous broadcasters who appear in The Day the Earth Stood Still, which that came out in 51, just not that long before, or about 10 years before this. So, so yeah, that's why, like, it, it, it honestly, if this weren't like a serious episode, it, it feels like in line with what Stanley Kubrick shoots in the 60s, like, like the way he shoots footage and stuff like that. It really has a like documentarian feel to it almost a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, you know, this is what the world is like before the, the coming it, coming it. How do you say the fucking name? Uh, Kenamite. Yeah, which um, I don't know if you guys noticed. Sounds very familiar to another word called cannibal. I don't know. I don't think that was what it, it was intention. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about it, yeah, cannibal. Uh, cannibal. <laughs> oh, one other interesting piece of trivia too. Um, the uh, spaceship landing next to Newark, New Jersey, was kind of a inspir- was inspired by uh, War of the Worlds, the original radio broadcast with Orson Welles, mm-hmm. where it landed oh, in oh, uh, Grover's Mill. Which I looked it up was an hour away from Newark. Mind blown. <laughs> I feel bad for them for landing in Newark because I've been to Newark and that that, that airport sucks. Well, that's um, how they decided to know. start eating people. This all this stuff leading up to Rod Stoney's narration. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Like it, it's you know it, there's a lot of foreboding going on. There's a lot of people you know walking around and. Then the ship shows up. I mean, you know, we talk about how like the the series sometimes has a problem with going either too quickly with this, like it's overall story or taking too long. But, you know, all this stuff, like, what do you guys, what do you think about it, Chris, or whoever wants to go? Like, what do you guys think, like leading up to the uh, Richard Keel's introduction? I don't know if it felt rushed, at least to me. I mean, you know, watching it. But well, I meant like I meant like in, in general, the Twilight Zone has a habit of doing that. We talk about it oh. on the other. I'm just like, like, how do you think about like where this first act, like all the stuff was leading up to, and as know, as the reveals come and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like when Richard Kill shows up and stuff like that. Uh, I like I don't mind that part of it. I do think the the next sequence that we see mm-hmm. with him going into the um into the UN and the UN discussions and these types of things. Those happened pretty quickly. Uh, I, I I thought they were more, or at least I took them to be more like just these little snippets that were just fa- fast forwarding a little bit in time each each uh, you know shot, so that we could move towards what we're trying to get to, which is the point of fat and happy people getting on spaceships to be lunch. Woo-hoo. Yeah. What, uh, what about yeah? I I took uh, I I would take a flying jump at the moon at this first bit. Would you know? Yes. Sorry, it was a line from the one of his first. No, lines. yeah, I was waiting. I was waiting for. <laughs> yeah, we have a lexicon or sexicon list that has like all these like phrases that the Twilight Zone has said. It's some pretty interesting stuff. They pull out some other <laughs> good ones later too, but I'll wait with Looking that. Looking at gift so. gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> but no, um, it was. Uh, I think it. I think overall it worked well. You know it. It introduced you, it gave you what you needed to understand the ins and outs of the episode. Um, again, you could question whether Rod Serling's is needed, but I do think that it gives you that third person perspective to kind of say, okay, this is what this guy is saying. You know, what do you, you know, here's where we're going, blah, blah, blah. What you, Jacob? Oh, that was cool. Um, I I didn't feel like it was rushed. I didn't feel like, I just felt like it was evenly paced and it was giving us the information we needed to set everything up. Um 
I was interested to see what's up with these aliens, what's going on. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't like, it was just, it was very even up until, you know, up to the, that first little bit there. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah, you're, as you're as, like, usually his, the one that points that stuff out about like the pacing of the first act versus the second act. And I'm always curious, like, you know, cause you usually can decipher whether it yeah. feels like a good episode or not. So I'm curious of what you, I mean, overall, I mean, just the beginning, I thought was even giving out the information we needed. I think the whole episode's like that. That's one of the good things about mm-hmm. this episode is it's it never drags. Um, it's not like a super exciting episode. There's not like lots of action or anything. A lot of it is just yeah. people rooms talking, but they're constantly giving you information. Like Chris said, it is a series of uh, time jumps uh, that I think are done fairly well. You don't necessarily know how long it's been, but just by like a line or two here or there, um, you always know that, okay, a little bit of time has passed. Like they'll say, oh, like last week when they showed us that thing in Venezuela or whatever. But um, so I, I think they did all that really well. And it's just kind of giving us a snapshot of this this uh, situation that happened to the people of, of this planet Earth. And uh, so, yeah, I think the whole thing was fairly really my like i said earlier my only issue with this and it wasn't a big issue was the quote-unquote time jump right there at the end did seem Mm -hmm. kind of sudden um but it wasn't i didn't ruin it or anything Mm -hmm. i was just it was the only thing that made me take pause um as far as the beginning though i think the narration at the beginning and the end sterling's narration you had to have it i mean yeah yeah, is it needed just for this specific episode no not really but is it needed because this is a Twilight Zone? Yeah, well, I mean, a Twilight Zone without Rod Serling coming in and and saying something cheeky in the beginning and the end is mm-hmm. not the Twilight Zone. It's like that's just part of it. That would be really. Yeah. I think if you didn't have it, people would be more fixated on where. Yeah. Why didn't he come yeah. on? And they'd be not paying attention to what was going on. So, um, like the the his closing and opening narration are neither is particularly long, and I think that that's probably because his narration was also edited. Uh, from what whatever originally I have no idea what it originally was, but he apparently made some changes to that too when they reshot. So wow, he, that, that's actually short, fa- I don't know. That's actually fascinating to think about. It's like what was this originally like? You know, because it, it, now it's like a classic. But what was it before? Was it like not it's a classic? I will see. Uh, that would be. I would want to watch that just to see what it was like because you know it's like when you hear about like Dick Tracy or Gremlins. There's like apparently an R-rated Gremlins out there, like a script that Chris Columbus wrote. I can believe that. And there's an mm-hmm. there's like a there's an R-rated Dick Tracy cut somewhere that Warren Brady's never released. And I want to watch these things. And I would love to watch a darker take on this because, like I said, you guys mentioned later, you know, them getting on the ship and not seeing the ending portion with the which is which is fine. Like it wraps up the the story nicely, but it would have been interesting to be bold well, like that. But what I understood was that it moved almost too fast. Uh, apparently even though they cut mm. stuff out or added to it it apparently the pace was like too it was, it was too fast i don't i don't know i don't know exactly what it was possible. they the only things i know that are like specifically changed is his narration was altered and i know that they reshot like i said 75 percent wow. well it, they reshot 75 percent of it but they didn't use everything they reshot they took both of them and put them together and kind of made an episode but I do know that the end was supposed to end when he shut the guy in there and the thing in the beginning and the end was not there and that it was just, there wasn't enough substance or something or like mm. there was length there, but it just wasn't, mm. there wasn't enough uh, character building and, and substance. You're saying it wasn't girthy enough. I knew 
I'm not even gonna do it. I was waiting for you to say. I was, I, I was, I was waiting for, I was waiting for someone to say it. Um, um, but yeah, well, that, that's that. That was what I gathered from it, and I felt like, I mean, what the, it was apparently the right call because uh, the, I think this is a really good episode and, and very well paced. Nick, yeah. I do wonder if you could go back and watch the original story that this is based on to get maybe a better idea of of how it would have laid out different. Well, yeah, the original it's, story is um, very different. I do oh, know that. It? Like, it takes place on, I think, another planet. Oh, okay. And the, the creatures are like little pigmen. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. There was a the bit of trivia where they wanted to do that, <laughs> but because they did that in Eye of the Beholder, they didn't go that route. Yeah, and I think it was the astronauts that went somewhere or something like that. It was like the same basic idea, like the, the reveal was the same, mm-hmm. but it was uh, just the whole, they kind of took the idea from this this uh, story and made this story. Well, I haven't read the story, but that's just what I heard. Yeah. Actually, before we continue, before I forget, because I know I will, Jacob, I know you really want to read this opening narration. I was going to let you go for a week without reading it, but I felt like that would... <laughs> no, because we get to the end of it, and then we'd be like, hey, now we got to act like it's the beginning. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I didn't read this for usual in advance. That's what Rod Serling said? Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, Rod Serling was just standing in front of a camera, so, I mean, you're good. Oh, hang on. This was gotta... the part that was edited out. Yeah. yeah. I got to make it bigger because I'm old, and I can't That's what read. she said. I can read. I just can't see. Respectfully submitted for your perusal. A kenamite. Height, a little over nine feet. Weight, in the neighborhood of 350 pounds. Origin, unknown. Motives, therein hangs the tale. For in just a moment, we're going to ask you to shake hands, figuratively, with a Christopher Columbus from another galaxy and another time. This is the Twilight Zone. Okay, so, good so with I get... Right? So That's I get to ask, a guy's nine feet... Uh, this creature's nine feet tall, this alien... And he's three hundred and fifty pounds. That's he. He's a. Uh, he's pretty skinny. Like they must be. You know, these uh, human beings must be uh, very uh, hardy. Not hardy, but like uh, allow you to keep. <laughs> no, your that's weight why they're because... here because we're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was gonna say they're like they're really skinny. So like three hundred fifty pounds. Can you imagine if they're on on their own planet? How big they are? Man, you know, because uh, Richard. Yeah, for three hundred fifty pounds for nine feet tall is actually kind of slimming. Yeah. They needed, well, well, they should they, have waited until they needed to wait about 50, 60 years. It would have gotten <laughs> a much better girth out of some of their livestock oh here. <laughs> I was going to say died. it's all. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, it's just like cholesterol would be through the roof at that point. <laughs> yeah. <though. laughs> I See, was going to say that. Fast food took over and then. Oh, yes, God. <laughs> I was going right. to say all of their, all of their, all of their height and stuff came from way too many shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, real quick, um, there's a sequel to this episode apparently in the 2019. I'm reading here. I, I've not seen in 2019 Twilight Zone the uh, Jordan Peele one, but apparently mm. they made a sequel to it uh, called. Is it to you might also like? Say, is it to lose weight? They beat so many people. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It just says 2019 Twilight Zone episode. You might also like serves serves. Is a sequel to the episode to serve man, which features the Kenamites or Kenamite myths who are still learning about Earth's culture. Uh, uh, Chris, <laughs> have you seen have you actually seen the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone at all? I watched I watched the first episode with um Kamel. Kamel. Yeah, yeah, Nanjiani. Yeah. Um I, I thought it was all right. 
uh, but it didn't, I think at that point too, I didn't have like whatever it was, Paramount Plus or whatever. And so I didn't watch the rest of it. And yeah. then I just didn't go back to it. Is it, is it worth checking out? I watched okay. like two or three episodes. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to talk about it because I think we're going to run through the whole Twilight Zone series mm. in general. But the problem is like, for somebody who bases all his films off the Twilight Zone, basically, they're all Twilight Zone movies, basically, what he does. It just, it feels like there's something, the, uh, the only series of the Twilight Zone outside the original that feels remarkably like the Twilight Zone is the 80s one. The one that Forrest Whitaker did, there's um, an episode where they remake the Passerby, which is, oh, these, um, <laughs> is it the Passerby? Basically, the the there was this episode that we talked about where Civil War soldier comes up and starts talking to this woman. He's been injured, and all these Civil War soldiers are walking past him and stuff like that. And we find out that he is actually dead. She, I think she's dead too. And they're blah, all blah. dead. Yeah, yeah, they're all dead. And basically, they remade it, but they had like a two thousands vibe to it. So you remember like Creed and. All those yeah. thousand <laughs> songs, heartfelt and, moments at the end, all of a sudden, yeah, you, like Dawson's Creek and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was not, it was, it was better than the Passerbites. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't great. But um, I mean, yeah, the, the it, like the the Jordan Peele one, I think, just misses the idea of what makes the Twilight Zone so special. I haven't seen. I want to watch them. I like Jordan Peele for the most mm. part, but. Um, I, I haven't seen any of them, but I have seen like one or two of his openings or maybe it was promos for it. I know whenever he's doing his surling on the way he is on the show, I can't take it serious. He 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 looks like he's doing a skit for uh, Key and Peele, mm-hmm. like when he does those skits and he'd be like real serious. That is what he's doing when he's doing his Rod Serling or whatever in the beginning of the or at least in the promo stuff I saw. So I, just, I can't take it serious. But hopefully the episode I heard it's not bad. I mean, it got canceled, but. Good things get canceled. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to that point eventually when we have to actually talk about it. I'm sure it's better than the fourth season. I'll give it that much. So. Yeah, this fourth well, season must be terrible. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> no, like like I said before, not all the episodes are terrible. They're just way too long for their own good. But anyways, um, so in essence, like to kind of break down what's going on, the the Canamites are offering prosperity. They're offering everything that we truly want: peace. You know, the the people around the world holding hands about Coca-Cola and stuff like that. It's that type of story. You know, they, they're like, we can we can make your barren lands prosperous with plants and, you know, we can like take your guns away and make you happy. Yeah, your electrolytes <laughs> and your electrolytes uh, <laughs> and nitrates. And, you know, we'll, we'll you know, get rid of uh, everything and we'll just make everything perfect. And I do, I do have one small issue with this, and it's just, it's just me. It may not be you guys, but they're offering everybody all these things, and they show that they work. Like they have a device that they, you know, whatever the device is, I can't remember because I didn't write it down force for some field. reason. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, force field. Yeah, force yeah, field thank for you. The countries. Yeah, and um, you know, they do all that. They do the 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 lie detector stuff, which I actually thought was pretty brilliant. You know. I, I thought it was interesting. I don't know what you guys felt about it, but like the idea of like him telling a lie and then him telling the truth, like the test, like, I, I don't know if it was like a test or they were just doing it to have him do it. Um, but all that stuff, like, what do you guys think about all that kind of stuff? Like it, how it plays in? Cause you know, a lot of these episodes are like a lot of times doom and gloom, you know, the shelter and. Well, you figure, I mean, it's, uh, it's 1962. 
when this yeah. comes out. And so Cold War and everything. Yeah, the world is tumultuous, you know. We don't want to enter back into like a World War II scenario, uh, but then we're also duking it out kind of with Russia, you know, and or at least communists and USSR. And yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, there's all these tensions, you know, and so I think yeah, I think part of this really does speak to to an American audience and maybe even a world audience that we don't want this, you know, we don't want bad things. We've seen bad things happen very recently in our past. Um, and so when something comes and it offers health, good food, safety, uh, all these things, I mean, it's, it's basically assuaging everybody's fears that they had at this moment, whether they want to, uh, admit them or not, you know, and that's why even when we see like, you know, there, all these countries are committing to reducing their, their military or their nuclear armaments or whatever by half, and they just keep getting smaller and smaller because they're moving towards peace and they feel safe and protected. And I think that's it's bringing or it's trying to bring the audience in to make us feel as if I were the audience watching at that same time, kind of that that comfort and that, oh, OK, these these are good. These they want to do us, you know, they want to help us. And so I'm going to be on board with this, which then ideally sucks you more into the story. Before yeah. the zinger comes. Well, because the the interesting thing is, I don't know. I I, I know Chris. I, I don't know Trip. If you you probably, I think you haven't seen it yet. But watching this episode after seeing Oppenheimer brings in a lot more interesting dimension to the nature of like how the world was working in this time frame. Because Oppenheimer, even though that took place in the forties. We're in the midst of that after effect. So in this episode, they're talking about like the hydrogen bomb and the atomic bomb. And it puts things into perspective that, you know, even though we know what Oppenheimer did, but my point is the fact that they're taking what he feared of like a new whole total nuclear war and total destruction. And they're willing to help us eradicate all that stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of curious what you, what you think of that and what you guys think of that as well. Cause I've, I, I, I that was just for me, from watching that movie just kind of oh that's interesting to think about like how this 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 episode is rosling directly uh talking about those fears and you know what it would be like if somebody were to help us so i don't know what you guys think about that i'm kind of of two minds about this on one side there's always that if something is too good to be true it probably is you yeah. know no one no one does something without expecting something in return, even if it's a small, you know, like a thank you or whatever. But on the other side, you look at the era and it was such an age of hope. You know, it was like they were looking towards like the future and the space race and, you know, on one side. And then you had like the gloom and doom and destruction and, you know, the red curtain drop or the iron curtain dropping and everything else. I, I could see it like, you know, maybe there is hope for us. You know, all of these things that we were promised after World War II we didn't really get the way that we were hoping to. And so you can see that, that hope amongst hope that, you know, like, like with Jackie or with uh, Jack Kennedy, it was like Camelot and great things and all of this stuff. And you, know, you could see it a lot of different ways, I guess. I'm probably jumping all over the place, but that weird balance of fear and hope that was kind of prevalent in that era. Yeah, man, it's all like it's all about hope. I mean, back then, we got to think we're, they're not that far removed from World War II. Uh, kind of a big thing around the world, and uh, yeah, just a little bit. And then we had entered into you know, a Cold War, which is you know just 
a precursor to a hot war. I mean, just, so everybody was afraid that this Cold War was going to turn into a big thing. And everybody, I think by this point, because we went into the Cold War shortly thereafter, um, World War II, relatively speaking, I think everybody was just kind of over it all. And they were just like, man, can we, can we just get at least remnants of peace or something? Just can we take a chill pill for a little bit? Right. So to have like yeah. this, uh, well, within this version of the world, to have this uh, race come down and say, hey, we got you. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give you this stuff that'll make things better. And it's not also I did like it wasn't totally unbelievable what they were offering. They didn't come down and offer mm. peace and harmony. True. They even came down and said, hey, one of the things we'll give you is a force field. We get that you're a bunch of crazy psychos. You're still going to try to kill each other. We're going to give you a force field so nobody can do anything to you. But, I mean, you can't do anything to them either. So it's kind of a forced piece. And I think that resonates with people. It doesn't sound quite too good to be true. It's great that you're giving us this technology, but it's not as if they're, you know, they're not promising something that's unattainable. They're promising you something to at least keep everybody in check. So, yeah, I mean, I think that within the real world context and within the world that this takes place in, It'd be a very alluring thing. I mean, if hell, especially if they came down now, but uh, <laughs> if they, you know, came offering these types of things, I think it would be hard to say no. And it even starts at first. Everyone is, you know, very suspicious of them. It was a suspicious time of everybody, red scares and all that. And uh, so uh, I, I like how the episode does. While it is have time jumps and it moves forward over this period of time fairly quickly in 24 minutes it shows that like you know everybody doesn't just embrace them with open arms just because they're offering the world everybody's kind of suspicious of them and then as they start showing them things people start warming up to them to the point to where they're like yeah let's go to on vacation to their planet which is weird well, that they never gave it a name well yeah, that's they, what really I was say. <laughs> they even on the little <laughs> announcements go saying from earth to our planet (laughs) (laughs) well but that's the thing like um i do have a little bit of issue with like because because they're speeding through the time so quickly in this episode the fact that i i don't i don't i don't hate the fact that they're going to the other planet but if the the canamites are offering all this technology and all this peace and all this stuff why would these people go to their planet like are they are they being told well you're you're even what we're giving you is not going to sustain the you know what two three billion people whatever they were on that planet at the time i mean it's like like they don't really get into like the specific because they don't they can't because it's 24 minutes but it feels like there should be a little bit something because we get like the decoder the the cypher guy you know the main character michael and his them trying to decipher what the book is because uh richard kills kenamite character leads the book and they do all that and they give you context there but they don't give you context of how these people became starting to go to other planets it just kind of i don't i didn't i didn't uh, i don't think that's too far fetched i mean the, um no it's just a i feel like that's all. these people you know you, you we've they've gained our trust everybody feels pretty comfortable with them at this point and they do this exchange program thing so their people can come here and learn our culture and vice versa but also just the idea of going to a advanced civilization's planet yeah i think that yeah. curiosity humans mm-hmm. are very curious yeah yeah I mean, hell i'd be hard pressed if a similar thing happened here or like in real life and they were offering you to go to this place pretty much on a vacation to to live amongst these in this this fantastical world sure i mean once we feel comfortable with them yeah let's do it let's go see what this is all about they've made us feel comfortable that's exciting let's i mean why did we go to the moon yeah because we could you know <laughs> if, if you for those that 
believe that we went to the moon, vice versa. But <laughs> <laughs> there are some. I think yes. Stanley Kubrick has something to do with that. But but no, I mean that why do we why don't we do that stuff? It's because we're curious. Ex we want to explore. We want to yeah. boldly go where no man has gone before. Absolutely. I, so yeah, I, do I could think... totally believe that people would be like <laughs> signing on the dotted line. Just, yes, I want to go. Like haphazard. That's fair. Yeah. I do think too, and I guess maybe I'm maybe I'm just a bitter old bitty, but I do kind of Definitely. feel like when they're <laughs> when they're in the line and they're like talking about all the amazing things that are on the planet, it almost feels like not that they've regressed to children, but they're just like, oh my gosh, they they're gonna let me go shopping. Oh boy, they're gonna let me eat everything I want. It feels like little kids being promised all of these amazing things. Well, that's actually the ironic thing um, is the idea of like these these aliens have learned kind of what our our being is as a human being like we always resort we all know this we resort jacob you know you, you chris and triv we always resort back to our childhood and the things we love about our childhood and you know the fact that that we were ignorant you know if the the cannabites and what were. their ultimate goal is <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah true we're still <laughs> ignorant uh, but you you know where I'm getting at, where like th they they know how to leech on to what makes us who we are, so they can use that to their advantage. And maybe them going to the other planet and eating us is you know is something that just they do, but it, they are able to coerce uh, coerce us into our kind of um, what is it animalistic state is kind of the nature of like materialistic primal. in nature, yeah, primal nature. Um, well, it's, I mean, you watch any, any group of people walk into a cruise ship, Disneyland, a mall, mm, you know, I yep. mean, people, you know, <laughs> they do get giddy. And if, especially if you're not, if you're not having to pay for anything yeah. that, I mean, you, you all of a sudden go, Ooh, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, like, you know, <clears throat> uh, I, I'm going to the, the city this weekend to buy shit. So. Yeah, I'll be. See? I'm excited. <laughs> well, no, but th that's the funny video part. Video game stores and buy a bunch of stuff I don't need that I bought. Yeah, buy one, buy thirty one years ago and I'll buy it again. Yep. <laughs> For more. <laughs> yes. For a whole lot more. But that that's what the funny part is, and that's what kind of this episode does a little bit about. Like uh, Chris, you know, by going to Disneyland and uh, Jacob, I, I know Triv, you have never really been to Disney World, like yeah, in, like without being in somebody's. You know, but you know what I mean? But Disney World has its theme parks. Disneyland has its theme parks. They have their theme parks. But as you know, our materialistic need of, of things and joy comes down to what Disney is known for doing or theme parks are known for doing. Selling you shit. Selling you the clothes. And the, the like the, the Disney store at Disney Springs in Florida is this gigantic store of stuff you can buy and it's the same thing here. Like they're offering you stuff and they're, you're, they're manipulating you into believing this like comfortability, which is what Disney does, which is what, you know, going to McDonald's does, which was what goes to all these places. You know, we talk about like, you know, like for instance, like one of my favorite things to do is go see a movie and, you know, you sit there and what do you do? You buy, you know, a $1,200 bottle of soda, a $14,000 or bucket of popcorn, uh Damn, twizzlers and jacob like Orlando are high <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean but that that's like my whole point of like that it just the actually the of that whole nature of like us and 
stuff, you know, going to another planet, as Jacob has alluded to, something that makes a lot of sense where, ooh, I can go taste the treats of another planet or I can go live and see the creatures and blah, blah, blah. It's like in um, uh, Don't, it was like, don't Look Up. They... Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's like Grandpa. Grandpa is the, uh, the Canamite. Stupid son of a bitch. Uh, no, but it's like Don't Look <laughs> It's like don't look up when they go to the planet and it's just like they get destroyed because they they oh we're gonna go and be peaceful. Yeah, no. I got I gotta ask you guys about Michael Chambers because usually these characters, the main character is very suspicious, very, you know, he's uh he's he, he's like one step ahead of us. But here he's just like normal dude, the ciphers. He doesn't really even think about it. Like the 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 military is more worried about it than he is. And he's just like, Yeah, oh, it's another day, you know, it's cool. Like, you don't see that in the Twilight Zone very often. You don't see a character just kind of like us. It's just like, hey, they're giving us stuff. Cool. You know, we found the book says to serve man. What does that mean? I don't know. It's a book. Maybe we'll decipher it in 10 years. Who knows? But, like, <laughs> what do you guys think about that as the protagonist? Like, because it's just, it, it really is like us in general. Like, you know, you know, it's, you know, uh, there's, there's really all it is. It's just the guy's like, cool. You know, they're here. They're helping us. It's not until the end when he realizes what's truly happening. That's crazy because that doesn't really happen on the ship. And he goes, Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this it does make the cheese a little more binding. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, and like, I got to ask you guys this question like, outside of Michael Chambers, like, uh, the Kennemite leaving the book, do you think that was done on purpose? Do you think that was a mistake? Like, what do you guys think about this? Just that nature in general, like, there's still laissez flair or laissez faire. Yeah, they fair about the whole situation. That it takes like apparently it takes 10 years for Patty to uncover it's a cookbook, but it's just like I mean, what do you guys think about the laissez faire nature to Michael and everybody kind of? So it's interesting because it doesn't really happen very often. I suppose it does come that point where you wait for the other shoe to drop and the other shoe doesn't drop, and you're like, ah. Yeah, I think he's just like everybody else, just kind of they earned his um uh not respect but uh trust trust yeah there you go that word um <laughs> he uh they earned it because the woman too she was mm-hmm. i think in the beginning they were somewhat if not uh questioning what they were here for i mean they were to a degree they were just kind of yeah a little skeptical they were uh you know a little guarded but then by the end when they're having their conversation both of them are excited they're even both like yeah i'm on that he's like i'm on a 10-year waiting list and she's like me too <laughs> and like so I think everybody's just kind of given in and accepts them because I think it I don't know what the timeline is supposed to be, but I'm going to assume it's been at least months, if if not a bit longer than that, because they don't ever really. Allude it, to that, right. No, yeah, it doesn't. It do. just says. Yeah, it just says sometime later in the Wikipedia page it doesn't. I'm assuming it's like it, it's probably a couple of years, maybe. I, I don't know. Oh, it really like I uh, it doesn't really specify, but like, I mean. I mean, in general, like 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 I was saying, like most of the characters in Rod Sterling's writing or whoever he has writing, there there's a level of like um, urgency to the characters. But Michael Chambers doesn't feel like there's any urgency to his character, and that that's why it's so different because it just it, it doesn't feel like it just feels like a guy who just kind of accepted. And usually, you the guy would be like sweaty and he you know freaking out and just like crying against that you know uh tree in front of his apartment or something like that you know it, it just falls in line with the story is trying to say how like you know we are or at least in that that time we were eager 
for normality. I mean, that's not normal, but you know, uh, something that w- wasn't bad. We were eager, eager, Igor. We were eager for good things. <laughs> Igor. Yes, we were eager for good things. <laughs> <laughs> your hump on the other. Got the brain, <laughs> Abby. Normal. <laughs> anyway, uh, we were eager for for good things to happen, and uh, everybody, because everybody was just, we were so over war and death, and 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 just a just a constant attack on everything that. When something good finally happened, we didn't want to, uh, even though they mentioned it in the episode, we didn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. And, uh, you know, I think he falls in line with that. Everybody was. I think everybody was just kind of like, Ugh. yes, and I think, we caught a break. <laughs> well, and by making him an everyman um, and not suspicious, we as the audience then let our guard down, too. Because if he's if he's suspicious, then we're on edge the entire time. And it's fine to be on edge at the beginning, right? Because this weird thing has come in, you know, this giant dude with a big forehead. And <laughs> so, yeah, okay, we're all a little sketchy, you know, this, mm, I don't know. And then he earns the trust of the characters. So then as the audience, we let our guard down too. And that's then when I think he, why it works so well is because He's excited, like you said, to, you know, to hop on the ship. I want to go. I'm on the waiting list. Good Lord. Yeah. You would think that I could almost, you know, bump myself up because I'm this important role. Um, I'm curious if my guess is that the Kanamit leaves the book there because probably they don't expect humans to be able to figure it out. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's or, just like uh, when you yeah. leave something, a rancher leaves something in the cow whatever wherever they're at you don't expect the cow to figure it out be like oh god guys they're gonna milk you they're gonna kill you (laughs) see that thing over there don't go to that (laughs) (laughs) that is not fun yes (laughs) you know we're 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 just kind of beneath them in in that respect Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i guess not everybody can be amy adams and um arrival arrival (laughs) yeah decipher languages quickly well, and it could be too, you know, even if uh, that one person figures it out, it's you against the entire world. It's kind of like uh, mm-hmm. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, you've yeah, been shown yeah. that they're, everything else that you would say against them goes against that. Yeah. You know, that, you no, know, they gave us food. They, you know, brought about safety and all that crap. Now, are they malicious though? I, I got to want, I mean, uh... But there's one thing that happens in the episode that makes me say they are. But do you think that in their minds, the Kinemites, are they malicious? Are they like, do they think they're doing, are they being, uh, uh, I can't think tonight, but are they uh, misleading us to try and like trick us or are they just treating us like cattle? See, I thought they were more so they just look at us like cattle. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not being cruel to us. Sure. Um, but they're also not explaining everything, you know, because we probably couldn't understand it in their sure. minds. Maybe right. the only thing that kind of throws me for a loop on that is when he, the guy does start uh, trying to get off and he just shoves him in there. But then I think about it. I'm like, well, I mean, that's what, you know, somebody would well, do with a little pig trying to run away. Right. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Get back in there. <laughs> well, that, that, that's what, what's what you guys were talking about earlier with like the, the kid mentality. Like, as you just said, like if you go to, I don't know, a theme park or you go to get her haircut or doctor, you know, the kid's probably going to be screaming and like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then they get forced onto the the ship or the forced onto whatever. And then 
you know, I, I don't know, but like, that's what it feels like. He, he's like a little kid where he's like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to smoke myself. He's like the smooth taste of Oasis or something like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it just like he resort, we resort to this kind of like weird kid like state, which he does. And he's like, eh, whatever at the end. But I don't know. It, it's really fascinating. Like, are they manipulating him or do they believe or do is this like something they just do? And they like, maybe they're like, eking out the population because they feel like the population could, you know, be wound down because there's too many people on this planet. Like, like as Jacob alluded to earlier, you know, what if they came to 2023 with like 18 billion people, whatever's on the planet and they're all fat, like, you know, would it be completely different? Like, it'd be interesting to see like, um, just the, like more, I know you said there's like a sequel, but like more of like the, like the original version up to date like kind of how they would position that but i don't know it'd be all like hmm, i guess that one and that one <laughs> yeah they'd be looking at him just like the united states in general like hey everyone else is fine but the united states man you love that mcdonald's and yeah mcdonald's and, yeah actually i'm kind of curious if they ate mcdonald's would they uh they said oh you know what humans are not tasty at all i want that salt filled <laughs> patty and french fries Da, 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 da. they're loving it <laughs> so um, i did have to laugh just yeah sorry real quick with the um and i know it's the 60s and you know they're they're doing the best they can with what they got and everything but the fact that they thought that a um lie detector would work on an alien you know because they're describing the technique like oh they'll this monitor they, yeah, they have like they have a pad <laughs> in the hand like there's the measuring the sweat i'm like are, are you basically saying that these creatures are human and like do they sweat like they it, tested I think it's just... it <laughs> how did you get here i walked <laughs> I, they were cheeky i love that how cheeky he was with that <laughs> you know what would have made this episode great is if they started when they started talking to everyone if people just started screaming and running around and then you know on, on an airplane just like a naked woman ran across the screen and oh, just, just ran off <laughs> <laughs> No, but like I, I just I can imagine like when they start because you know they're doing like the Lord Voldemort and Harry Potter thing where they're just talking to everyone through their minds, or at least is what it feels like. And you can imagine how many people would be like, like the people in the insane asylum were like, I told you people were talking to us. You know? <laughs> like, but um, I don't I don't know. It's just it, it's interesting to see like how all it takes is a a little bit of like prosperity and people were like yeah we'll do whatever you say well you know? it's it's safety versus or um safety and security over everything else you know nick are you saying that all it takes is somebody to come along and give its populist lies and they'll just follow it um yeah <laughs> i don't yeah. think that would ever happen no 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 this i i, 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 I would never say this episode that, is, sir. Yeah, I would never say I would never say seventy million percent of the population is uh <laughs> believes that you know no never would do that <laughs> I would never say this episode is believable in every sense. Um, but it is no, interesting um, though how that goes. Yeah. Like at the beginning, you get um the like they're saying oh well don't waste water make sure to put your cigarette in the butt or a cigarette in the butt. cigarette in the butt <laughs> <laughs> that's an episode put your cigarette in your butt. that's a little painful too. <laughs> website also aliens apparently like their meat smoked at that point so you know smoke <laughs> um, exactly but like actually all those... let me uh... go ahead go ahead, go ahead oh no i just no, gonna go say it was it was interesting like you know 
there is that balance of like freedom versus regulation and how like every every bit of their lives are monitored when they're on that when they're on the spaceship you know it's like oh well yeah. you're not drinking enough oh you haven't eaten oh you haven't done this you haven't done that like you know just just for the simple fact they offer free food i think i would just go for that reason i would never have to pay for food again you're the if they want to eat me you know let me just let me have you know let me have my last meal of like you know bucky's and wawa and Spadas and stuff like that you know as long as you made me full you can you can eat me later on i don't give a shit um no actually i do have a question for you chris and this is kind of like a little bit off topic but kind of focuses on this when you mentioned earlier when we first started that you saw the social commentaries how does how do episodes of the twilight zone now especially like an episode like this or i the beholder or you know how do those like affect you like on a like um psychological and like emotional level because you know when we were kids we focused on like the the, the surface level stuff like the alien mm-hmm. here the aliens and they're going to eat people but there's like much like we go into as we talk about these episodes and we start learning about them there's a deeper meaning behind what rod certainly was doing so i'm kind of curious of what you think about that just in general just you know going back and watching some of how prescient these episodes end up being even today it's crazy oh yeah no it's crazy at the relevance that, that yeah. still exists, you know. Um, well, and, and also think about like Black Mirror couldn't have existed without this, you know. First, any yeah. any show that really takes mm. um, takes a an issue, a social issue, um, and then attacks yeah. it in a different way and brings it about it in a way that people, you know, they, they don't understand that they're being um, shown something different or maybe counter to what they believe until the end when it's result, you know, when it's revealed or resolved or whatever. Um, I, I think a lot of these still hold some really good truths and, and mm-hmm. things to learn. And I think that's what makes them classic is because they don't time out, you know, they don't, I mean, sure. You look at this, the prosthetics are, are bad Uh, the production value is what it was, you know, but the story itself, the content there, and that's how you tell, I mean, all of the classics. I mean, there are so many books that were written, you know, hundred years ago, 200 years ago that still hold some very valuable lessons for us. And I think when that happens, uh, the timelessness of them really connects with people and you can, I think also the best thing about some of these is that going back at different parts in your life, you rewatch them and they, they hit you in a different way. You know, right. so you may catch, so you may catch one thing one time because that's kind of where you're at in life or what you're dealing with or whatever. You watch the same piece of content though, 15 years later, and because of all your life circumstances, it now speaks to you in a completely different way. And maybe you totally disagree with it now. Maybe it doesn't affect you at all. I don't know, but yeah, I love, I mean, for me, Anytime you get a social commentary, I'm like, what are we going to do? What's it going to say? Right. Is it going to, you know, like make me go, ooh, that <laughs> crap yeah, is looking we, right at me. Because <laughs> we have a, we had a couple episodes this year or this season, which um, one is uh, Death Has Revisited and one's The Shelter. And The Shelter is kind of like what would happen if like people wanted, it, it's what would happen if people wanted to, like if there was like a bomb attack. And like somebody had a shelter and like, how does that affect people and stuff like that? It's pretty fascinating, but no, I, I meant to ask you that earlier, but I'm, I'm just curious to like, you know, where you come from like now compared to then. But I mean, 
I don't know. It's it's interesting because, like I said, learning from what Rod Serling says, it's it really is insane. Like he how how ahead of his time he was on doing this kind of stuff because like no sh- i mean you had mr ed and you know you had uh the fugitive and mission impossible like i said earlier but no show was doing what this show did and for better or worse some episodes better some episodes worse it just it's i don't know it's pretty crazy but yeah getting into kind of like you know because we've been talking for a while but getting into like kind of the ending so at this point everybody's decided that they're going to go to the planet whatever planet uh Canadima or Chlamydia, whatever the planet is called. Uh, wow. <laughs> that should have been the name of it. It's, it's, it's our planet. It's our planet. No, anyways. Uh, Better than being called Chamber- gonorrhea, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, but hold on a second. Wait, we call this more. planet crabs. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Michael Chambers and Patty, you know, they, they're said they're on a waiting list and she's going to continue to whatever because the large words are harder to translate than the smaller words when it comes to the book um i I gotta ask you guys like you know as jacob has alluded to and we've agreed like the the time jump is kind of unknown because you're not sure when he actually goes to the ship because he doesn't really age so like i'm pretty sure when you age 10 years if he's waited 10 years you're gonna look a little different than you did in the earlier segment I don't so, think it was supposed to be ten years. I think he was yeah. just saying he was. Well, no, I'm just saying like, <laughs> yeah, like they were they were eating that many people that quickly. They're just like keep them going. Like two and days later, it's like tall. oh, yeah, they're very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> they're like the T Rex <laughs> or like raptors. Um, but like all this stuff, like we don't get the reveal till literally like what a minute and a half before the episode ends, which is quite quite impressive, but. <laughs> I mean, what do you guys think? Like, it's one of the most um, well-known endings, but, like, just the lead-up to, like, you know, he's boarding the ship, and Patty comes out, and he's like, so in the green is people, you know, that type of thing, where she's like, oh, I've, I found the book. It's, you know, don't get on the ship. It's blah, blah, blah. It's it, we They're eating cookbook. people. It's a cookbook. You know, it, like, barbecue ribs and, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, salted pancreas or, you know... <laughs> Teriyaki, teriyaki wang. Put those ribs on the Barbie. (laughs) You know, teriyaki wang and like uh, roasted foot. I I don't know how what (laughs) roasted foot. Have you you ever had to cut other people's toenails? You're not wanting to eat foot. That's disgusting. Uh, I I don't even know. And toe jam um, and cheese and bleh. stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 you gotta wonder. You know, not not that it sounds too disgusting, but you gotta wonder, like, how like, do, uh, do they do? Do they do like the tales from the dark side, where you know they're prepping them to feed and they're gonna put them in pots? Like, it, it's just a really kind of insanely disturbing, crazy for 1962 ending, where you know we find out there it's a cookbook. Like it, it, the, the times that. Twilight Zone goes disturbing. It's not this disturbing. It's more of like actual disturbing when it comes to like Purple Testament with like real war scenarios or the or the shelter or something like that. But this is like going into cannibalism, going into cooking people. And I like what do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, in our in our view, it's technically cannibalism. But I like how how Michael Chambers is like the only person that seems upset by this. She's screaming it, and everybody's just like. we're just gonna walk on the ship anyways it's just like it's really funny to see but like what do you guys think about 
them doing like that being kind of the ending to technicality to the the episode just like the reveal like even though we know it's still pretty shocking like i mean what do you guys think i think like we talked about you know had they ended it with him being forced onto the ship yeah that would have been i mean that that's freaky but something that's haunting is we watch him give up hope where he then just grabs the food and just starts eating it. You know what I mean? I mean, he's like, he's abandoned everything now and he's just, I'm done. I'm done for. And that, I think that hopelessness is like, Oh, that's probably even worse than because you know, your fate now versus us. And we know his fate, you know, and we're watching him just accept it versus that fight to be, to be shoved onto the ship. Yeah, and that fourth wall break is pretty pretty great because he's like, "What would you do in this scenario?" He's like, "You probably do the same thing I'm doing. You can't do anything about it. I'm on a ship now, smoking cigarettes, like fuck." But I mean, yeah, it's 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 crazy because it's such a hopelessness scenario that he's in now, and you're just like, "Oh, there's got to be a thing to get out of it." But I, I don't know. I mean, what do you two think, like Jacob and Trip? I think that you're right. That I I guess I didn't think about it. Like you see him kind of start mowing down and i i didn't think about the fact that he had lost hope but you're absolutely right i mean there is that moment of just you know he's ridiculed and then it's like he's just like i i what can i do i i didn't see this coming you know it shoulda woulda coulda and i didn't and here i am so yeah i like how he, he just kind of except because what do you do you're on the ship you're going they're not making your life hell he just kind of accepted it and was like all right here i am and then he just starts chowing down on these peas or whatever it is in these plastic <laughs> baggies, like he's a rabid animal. And he does. He pretty much, I can't remember specifically what he said, but he kind of looks at the camera and he's like, what would you do? You know, and, and I mean, he's right. What are you going to do? I mean, there's nothing he could do. He just accepts it and says, well, make the best of this situation, I guess. <laughs> let's get let's, let's get full. I do wonder, um, is it because we we are they just going to take them there and immediately like slaughter them and eat them? Or are they going to, is it a situation where they're kind of like, Hey, we're going to let them live like a, a, a nice life, like give them all these things we're promising them. And then, uh, then take them out there at the end. No, they put them in pens and let them free range themselves. So they're not <laughs> stringy until we're harvested. Yeah. Our that's free what range I, yeah. is a mall. <laughs> <laughs> Giant mall. Krispy cream. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Krispy cream. I, and, Sparrow McDonald's. pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and, I would uh, think that image. they. <laughs> I would think that they probably actually, because that's the thing about them. They're I'm not. Asking. Yeah, exactly. They're not. They're, they're like that weird benevolent like creatures. You know, they're like he run like he's so angry and so fired up, and it just his anger kind of bounces off them. They're just kind of like you know. We're just doing our thing here. And I would imagine that that in mind, they're probably going to make their lives as good as possible, but they are going to, you know, spit roast them, you know, over. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to Ewok it. They're going to put them all in the spit and (laughs) sing a chant. No, actually, um, hang their head on the wall. (laughs) Right. He does say something at the very end where he's like, we all become on the menu eventually. And it, it does harken back to the fact that we're all eventually going to die and be warm food or whatever anyways. So it's just like, he's like, all right, cool. You know what it is? As long as you can, 
It's, as long as you don't ah, do the Texas Chainsaw style. Ah, the French. The circle of life. <laughs> ah, the cabinets. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's such a crazy ending. It's like, you know, the ending of either Beholder. It's just, it, it just like hits you with the, a gut punch. You're like, you know, you know something's foreboding about it. You don't know what it is, but you know it's foreboding. And if you think about it, when they decipher to serve man, it's like, well, I mean, if you think about it, they're serving man to help them. But no, no, there's an underlining disturbing nature to it. And that's what makes the this episode so insanely well, that, well put together. That's all the most memorable and best episodes of Twilight Zone. They mm-hmm. always have that that uh, moral twist of that, that ironic twist of fate. And it's always right yeah. there close to the end. Um and but the thing is, it's, that's not the only part of the equation. Like, because you have, uh, we've talked about quite a few times on this episode or on this show. Uh, what's the the one the 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 planet? Third uh, from the sun. Third from the sun, banger ending. Ending absolutely made the whole episode. And for a long time, I've told the story a bunch of times. For a long time on this on this on here, I held that real high, and uh, I would like compare other things to it. But I had to admit that well, the rest of the episode really wasn't all that. And it wasn't terrible. It was just kind of like, eh, whatever. And then that happens in the end, and you're like, oh, my God. This one wasn't like that. This one had an oh, my God end, but the rest of the episode was interesting as well. I was interested to see what was happening, where it was going. There were no dips or lulls or anything like that. And I think that the most memorable Twilight Zone episodes do that. You have your this one. You have uh, uh, Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, the uh, the, the, the Invaders, and uh, uh, the, the, the face one. I forgot it again. Yes. I have a holder. I have the beholder. Yeah. You always had this banger of an ending, but the rest of the episode had really interesting stuff to keep you engaged as well. And I think that's something that this one did. And that's why it is a classic. Absolutely. Well said. I would also like yeah. to say this is really random and stupid, but I just thought of it. It'd be really funny if the alien was taking the lie detector test and it was done on Maury. You are <laughs> not the you father. Are not. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody you are the cannibal. Green screen Maury Povich coming in. Oh, you God, are not the so father. Funny. <laughs> oh, and man. then he just gets like that, that snide little smile like, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I mean, yeah, that, like that's the episode, you know. It's, it, it's a well-paced, well-put-together episode that does a lot for 24 minutes. I mean, you know, as we've said before, you watch some episodes and uh, you're just like, what were they thinking here? It's just like, I mean, unless they had, like I said, 40, 45 to 50 minutes, like there's not much more else you can add that, you know, would really make it work better. I mean, it's just like almost like a perfect episode in a lot of ways. But I mean, overall, you know, we kind of talked about like, you know, us enjoying this episode. But overall, Chris, like what is your take on this episode as just a whole? Well, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's one of the most memorable for me, you know. I mean, out of all of them that I watched as a kid or anything else, there's only a few of them that really bubble up to the top. And this is yeah. one of those. Yeah. What, about what you is you, I, I know we asked you in the beginning. I don't think you said what was your that you remember your favorite episode. Um, I think uh, that Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I that that might be my favorite one. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to watch a handful of them again, kind of like I did with this one to just, you know, watch it once reacquaint myself with it and then watch it again and really dive into the context of everything that's being said. And it could provide something better. 
Yeah, it's been a, like I said, it's been a little bit easier for us because, like I said, we've watched you know eighty nine episodes at this point. So you like I don't I'm pretty sure you don't want to go back and watch 156 episodes to find out what like what be your true you don't favorite but no yeah you don't yeah you don't want to watch no. Trouble Templeton or Static or no you don't <laughs> well maybe he would you know individual lists are individual lists those are Triv, not we're, we're trying to help individual him here. lists hey you know what I'm play I like to play Loki. They it's may important. not be at the bottom, but they are not at the top. For <laughs> <laughs> um, your perusal, though, I would say the Invaders. <laughs> Top-notch episode. Absolutely. Oh, well, absolutely excellent episode. It's it's fantastic. It it's fantastical. Yeah. If, you, if you don't know the thing about that episode, that's a fantastic episode to watch. I, don't I would know say if even I... if you did. But I mean, yeah, it is the... either way, but not. I remember the first time I watched that episode, it was just like, ah, <laughs> Like ah, mind-blowing episodes. I mean, nice. the effects are what they are, but sure, it, you you, you got to go like you go into a show like this, and you just got to understand what you're watching and when it's from. Which I, I'm sure you even said that you get that. You know, it came out in 1961, yep. so absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, you have to take that into account there. Okay, even when Trim. you do watch it, we we need you to. uh Come back and tell us what your thoughts are on certain elements of it. Okay, fantastic okay. lighting. I will say that. Yeah, very creative, great lighting in it. But are you guys telling him to watch Trouble Templeton? Because I I will tell uh, tell him not to do that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But the thing uh, is, like that episode doesn't rank as low as we ranked it. Like a lot of people, it's not like high, but it's not like you know the basement mm. of the basement of the basement of the sub basement of it the other basement. No. It ain't top twenty. Okay, <laughs> um, Triv, you said you looked in the Twilight Zone companion, right? I did, but I didn't really read that much into it. What do you need? Um, no, no, no. Okay, so I'm looking at Wikipedia because you know it's always factual um, stuff. Well, they, they they actually do pretty decent. It's IMDb. 100%. You want to be pretty, yeah. You know, um, about this is my kind of issues with the Twilight Zone companion. Outside of just just being more of a review book than anything. It says Mark uh, Zekri Zekri was critical of this episode, which is fine. You can be critical, or whatever. But he say he says stating that without some sort of interplanetary Rosetta Stone, deciphering an unknown language would be impossible. He also said that the word "severe" is highly unlikely to have the same dual meaning in both Earth. English and alien language. I'm like, okay, you can criticize the episode for what it is, but it's just like it, it's nitpicky. It's it's kind of I mean, it's kind of like so those guys. He's going to make the same complaint about Arrival? I mean, it's the same thing. Like, how would she be able to decipher what the aliens are saying now without an interplanetary Rosetta Stone? It just, you got to sometimes realize that the episode is not going to be, it's more of a decipher into, like, human psychology than it is about anything. It's just they added that really cool It's not about that. What does he have to say about, you know, Back to the Future 2 where Doc Brown uses a friggin' food processor to power the DeLorean? I mean, come on. (laughs) Some things you just got to suspend disbelief a little bit to get to the point of it all. (laughs) I will go back to my... Oh, go ahead. I would say, why does Doctor Who have a, a, a a phone booth for even in 2023 why would like, he not have a phone booth is my question uh, no i'm just saying on the inside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i i will go to my to my go-to when it comes to questions of this nature and it is important to question because there are some things it creates discussion there's a lot of things that you know if it doesn't work within the the physics of that world then there is a problem 
But yeah. to repeat the mantra of one of my favorite shows, repeat to yourself, it's just a show. You should probably just relax. Yeah. I mean, some things aren't worth really... You can nitpick anything that's fiction right. like that. I mean, these are 24-minute episodes that they're trying to cram this whole thing in. It's not about well, how they figured it out. And it's that's not the point at all. No, yeah. it's not. <laughs> my, my problem is not... My problem in Twilight Zone is not the fact that this this... What he's talking about... It's the idea of like some of the stories just not not working on a fundamental writing level. Like, you know, you have the, you know, Trouble Templeton or Static where it just feels like they were just like they didn't know what they wanted out of the episode. Here it's a very straightforward, very, you know, it does what it needs to do. It knows what it needs to do. And it makes a lot of sense. So I, I can forgive like Back to the Future or, you know, Doctor Who for having these kind of like does it make any sense why a phone booth is still in 2020 i know it's like a cool aesthetic it's like the i'll time explain machine. it later <laughs> <laughs> but i i know i know i know the it's just a cool aesthetic but it, you know it's like the phone booth and bill and ted's excellent adventure or whatever it's just like it's a an error thing it's just I, it's like that it'd be the in the making that complaint it's just it's kind of stupid i don't know what did phone booths do to you that you've mentioned two of them now <laughs> Oh, don't get me started with the actual movie Phone Booth. Movie. <laughs> Fucking Colin Farrell and Kiefer Sutherland. That movie wouldn't well, and, and the other the other thing about this is, and I you don't wanna there's always that balance of you don't wanna say, well, because it's this, it automatically gets a pass. But uh, with sci-fi, there is that level of okay, you 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 need to give a little you, you cast a little bit wider net when you're talking sci-fi or fantasy. It steps yeah, outside we, the realm of, of of a lot of normality. And I'm not I'm just saying as a name too, fantasy or science little. fiction. Right. You're well, talking I mean, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> sanity. Well, I mean, the, the main thing is like if if we were gonna just if we were going to complain about interplanetary Rosetta Stone, every episode of the Twilight Zone, we would have to like find some nitpick about i mean i the beholder you know it's like all these things would have like issues it's just what issues are the ones that make more sense than others oh, yeah. so well yeah. i mean hell a dead man's shoes they can't carry a spirit they can carry a smell but uh everyone knows that if you're carrying a dead man's spirit it's in his pants absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but i mean other than that i just thought i'd bring that but like no that's interesting and that does raise a lot yeah. of interesting questions in itself but yeah. you know that would be something for over beer, and you know promise not to you know bitch slap each other, and then you end up still fighting well, at the end of the night because I mean, that, that person could... is clearly a dork. What this guy's saying and things like this of this ilk, and we've even talked about some of them on this show when when discussing and dissecting episodes. They're funny or fun things to kind of be like, oh, that would never happen because of this. As long as at the end of the day you realize what it is. I mean, we've even said that about things and be like, oh, this is that and blah blah blah. But then you go back to reality and you say, but as I'm rating this episode or looking at this episode, I get that that doesn't really matter. And it's not the point. Right. Sounds like this guy was like, no, I take issue with this. Right. There was not a Rosetta Stone. There wasn't an app for that. You know, I mean, <laughs> get out of here. Well, and like you say, it, yeah. it, it depends on what you like. If it's something that is crucial to the story and it's, you know, like if the aliens didn't have mouths at all or something I, I don't know something stupid like that that would stop them from being able to eat you know why are they taking all these people if they're vegetarians you know or whatever it might be something fundamental hey, to that character they they put the people somewhere else up their asses 
You went there, not me. Hey, <laughs> hey, guys, we're we're getting this all wrong. If Roland Emmerich can make Moonfall in 2012, then they can have craziness in the Twilight Zone. That's all I'm gonna there say. you go. Hey, you know if, what? If though the movie... they never they never said what they were serving man to, not necessarily to themselves. Yeah. It could have been to their cows. Very yeah. true. I mean, true. Yeah, true. That'd be really interesting. They it's like that. Unique... It's like that. Um, I don't know if it was like the far side or something like that, but it was like people were being uh, served on a spit and the cows were served, like making them. It was a really funny <laughs> picture. It was like, <laughs> you know, should we put barbecue sauce on them? Or yeah, it was. I, I love. I like when they do that kind of twist and turny thing. But this is um, essentially like a precursor to um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. Or oh, Galaxy. you're right. Yeah, good. Instead of like a, a interstellar interstate, though, it's like a fast food chain, which I think <laughs> wasn't that bad taste. Didn't bad taste? Wasn't that? What- uh, yeah, bad well, taste. They, yeah, bad taste is in the. Um, I can't remember if it's IMDb, but they reference. They have um. You know how you can link to other movies and stuff like that. Bad taste yeah. is on there. Nice. That was their whole but thing. Might- how they they were here to get food for their interstellar fast food joint. Cheap yeah, meat. I haven't seen bad taste. Peter in a while. Jackson. Yes, fantastic Academy Award-winning director. And he started with that and Meet the Feebles. <laughs> was Bad Taste where he gets gets bitten by the monkey? No, the, that was no Dead Alive. The Dead Alive or Brain oh, Dead, okay. depending on where you live. The uh, Skull Monkey, Skull Island uh, Rat Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that said, was there anything else you guys want to talk about with this episode before we get into the closing narration? Anything else you guys wanted to say on it? Anything we left out? Did I do a good enough job coming back? You did great. You lie and you know it. Well, actually, I'm standing. Anyway, is there anything else you guys want? To... <laughs> uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about with this episode? Mori Povich or Mori Povich paternity test. Now, there you go. I want to see that because you know, you know, there's some crossbreeding going on there. Cross pollination. Make it happen. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'll, I'll I'll try green screen the best I can. I'll just Yay. like I'll just like I'll split screen it with a can of my just staring there like in like a freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "You are the murderer." Uh, okay. So with that said, Jacob, go ahead and do a closing narration. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely ready for that. Hang on. Um, <clears throat> we usually have a build up. The recollections of one Michael Chambers with appropriate flashbacks and soliloquy, or more simply stated, the evolution of man. The cycle of going from dust to desert. Dessert. Sorry, not desert. Dessert. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line. It's so great. (laughs) The cycle of going from dust to dessert. The metamorphosis from being the ruler of a planet to an intergent. What? Ingredient. The metamorphosis from being the ruler of a planet to an ingredient in someone's soup. It's tonight's bill affair from the Twilight Zone. What? <laughs> the dramatic putting on of the glasses was yep. <laughs> just so good. <laughs> when you read that, oh, I should just leave. I'm gonna leave that a little fuzzy. Just, I didn't. Yeah. I need to blow it up. That's what she said. Good. Uh, uh, good old airplane. Um. <laughs> All right, so that is the episode of the Twilight Zone. Season 3, <laughs> episode 24, the, uh, the Twilight Zone Third Man. Classic, seminal episode. 
Yes, I did. Say that again. <laughs> oh, I meant to say that uh, they use stock. Yeah, they use stock music from Jerry Goldsmith scores of back there and the Invaders. Yep, the Invaders. There you go. She never said anything, Jacob. Sign of quality right there. Number 28. Oh, shit. No. No. Uh, No. no, I'm kidding. Um, With that said, uh, we're going to do the last segment of of our podcast, which, of course, is the Twilight Zone ranking list, because everybody loves a ranking list, including Rod Sterling, who I'm sure is loving this in whatever realm he is in, which is probably the Twilight Zone. You're not ranking. You're not YouTubing right. Yes. Right, right. Uh Uh-uh. Um, a lot of lists, <laughs> a lot of lists yeah. <laughs> it's a girthy certain, list. Certain, yeah, certain people on YouTube would be proud. Need uh, a list. Other people look actually, at us I, and go, "How in the fuck did that one end up there?" Everybody actually, after after we this week's that episode, every week, I know we do. Like, <laughs> how is that one so low? I don't know. <laughs> Who put that there? Actually, <laughs> whoops. After this, after this week's episode, I have to reconfigure everything because we're going into a. F- a fourth page of listings. Oh, no, not <laughs> fourth page. Oh, you, you should see how hard it is to try and get that correct. So, um, okay. So with that said, um, <laughs> is this a top 10 episode? I mean, I, I just asking that question, me not looking, I, I'd probably say, yeah, I'd, vote well, I mean, top 10. yeah. Is, is this better than like where, okay. So since you guys would put in a top 10, where, in the top 10 would you put it like like would you put it like above obsolete man below that uh, somewhere between put... one and nine thank yeah, you Trip. definitely definitely uh, <laughs> I, I mean i mean is this an episode that deserves to be in like the top five is this an episode that deserves to be in 10 through five like i mean where do you guys think because it gets really difficult at this point where yeah um i mean me myself honestly right out the gate i'm just gonna i would say i would if it was totally up to me, I'd just say number three. That's my go-to number. Woo-hoo. But <laughs> I mean, I know Monsters is a favorite here, and I well, like. Well, here's the too. question. Well, that's the question. Is this episode better? Like on a level, not just from its infamy, but just like the level of like what Monsters does and what this does. Is it better than that? Because like I'm, I'm with, I'm with uh, Chris. Like Monsters doing Maple Street is probably my favorite episode. So I mean, I gotta least. admit just pure like watching just like not critiquing it just watching the episode for me personally i think this one kind of like hits me harder it's like oh Oh. man because it's got that banger of an ending kind of situation in it it just just pure carnal like watching it it's like wow yeah that one's better but admittedly monsters are doing maple street has a whole lot more to say than this episode does yeah yeah um, like there's a lot you can well we had a really long conversation about it there's a lot to talk about with that that episode and what it represents and what it puts out there and I, I think there's definitely something to be said for that that's what I was saying me myself just right I would be like yeah number three because I think the shelter has a lot more to say than this episode as well um well, I even think that I'd be okay with between too. three and five three to three and six I don't that's think it's kind of going that way six. too. Um, I don't think it should necessarily be lower than three because I still obviously the invaders is my favorite, so I still think invaders is better. <laughs> but this is a fantastic episode. I the beholder and invaders are they top top tier. Yeah. I'm kind <laughs> of in the same boat only I would gun to my head. I would probably put shelter slightly above this, or like I would leave it at three. Just because like the way this one ends, like 
Yeah. Oh, you mean so leave four, the shelter at between three? four and six? Yeah, I'd I'd probably go between four and six. I can see that because um, shelter like monsters has a lot to say about human nature and people. Absolutely. And the one thing, and I I agree, monsters is a fantastic episode, and I know how much it means to you. But that last little bit where you've got the aliens doing their thing, and it makes sense within the episode, like front to back, top to bottom, this one just doesn't stop hitting you in the balls, you know. I mean, that's what I always love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, but uh, but there's two other people here, and you're obviously your views are very important. Three other, three three other. People. Well, we all. Uh, you, I already <laughs> heard your <laughs> way you feel. Wow. And we basically agree, dude. I don't so, count, you know. I guess. Of course, you, <laughs> of course, you count, you dork. See, I would put mine probably a little lower. Um, but that's because, uh, well, the first five, two of those, I know, uh, at least well in my head, how much I remember of it is, but the rest of them, I don't remember those at least by, by the title. So I would put it, I would put it at six just cause, uh, (laughs) that's, that's the ignorance part though, or at least the, do you want to know the, the basics of like, like the kind of quote synopsis of those five. sure sure well so, not invaders because i i'm gonna watch that one very soon i want to go and yeah the and oh blind. no understood <laughs> yeah the shelter well, the shelter one is the um is the episode where the they think a bomb's going off and the one person has a yeah. shelter mm-hmm. and they're trying to all break in the whole neighborhood's trying to break <laughs> yeah. in and everybody all of us they're all great friends and then all of a sudden when oh. the fit hits the shan they everybody turns against everybody hmm Everybody yeah. was telling, calling him a fool for missing all the barbecues and stuff. I was building a shelter, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Let us in." Uh, then... Death's Head Revisited is about um, a former Nazi uh, general, basically a doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. Doctor, yeah, he goes back to a concentration camp and gets visited by the ghost of the people who basically he killed. Uh, Obsolete Man was the one where it was like 1984, where the guy's being tried. It had uh, um, Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith, where mm-hmm. he's being tried because he's a uh, author, a librarian, and uh, they don't want books. And fantastic explosion effect in the end. Yeah, it's... <laughs> the effect wasn't bad. The uh, editing that was a great, cool episode. Terrible editing. All of a sudden, it's like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> we don't. I don't hold it against it though. Uh, Walking Where Distance was like the third episode. There's a third episode of the series where the guy goes back uh, to his childhood. Like he's a. Travels a train and it lands in his childhood. I think Stop at Willoughby is like the one where Willoughby is like the it's like eighteen nineties. No, it's yeah. the eighteen. It's in eighteen nineties. Um, this guy falls asleep on the train. Um, he he keeps falling asleep. Wakes up in um this idea like eighteen nineties level town. Um, and then it uh Willoughby is the name of the, the he thinks it's the name of the town and he tre- keeps trying to get back there. And then the ending is. It kind of hits you in the face. Mm. Yeah, he jumps off and dies on the train or whatever. He thinks he's getting um, off the of a bridge or something. No, he thinks yeah. that he's going to the town and yeah, and yeah Willoughby. Willoughby is like the ambulance or the coroner or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm with Chris. I would put this at number six, but I'm just because I like the God. It's so hard. That's what you're I'm saying. not opposed to that. I'm, I'm saying between three and six, it, like and either above or six, below. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, above or below uh, monsters. So uh, I think it's better than Obsolete Man. Agreed. I'm really kind of like 
there's a definite argument to be made for uh the other ones below that but obsolete man i i, yeah. I do think it's definitely better than that one but everything else under that i'm i'm kind of open so trev you would put it at number i would go five? between four and i would do between four and six i'm honestly the uh, more we talk about it leaning more towards six because I do think that the shell Death's Head Revisited I thought was good. I didn't think it was as great as you guys did. Um, I thought it was solid though, but um, the shelter and monsters I think had a whole hell of a lot to talk about human nature and stuff like that. It was really, really interesting conversations to be had there and what it was saying. And this one just didn't have that. This one was just kind of like a neat, oh, that's cool. So I, I could probably place them. I could see them going higher than this one. I could I could do that. I think it was six. The number number six. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds fine. Like I said, it's kind of like now we're top ten, so it's kind of you know cream of the crop thing. So that the cream means... always rises to the top. Her <laughs> chance yeah, exactly. to dream is ever so closer to thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Must get it in uh, the second half. Uh, we have uh, we have some uh, interest. I mean, season four, you're gonna <laughs> you may get there. Maybe not actually. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that's good. So with that said, uh, new number six on our list is, of course, to serve man. Woo-hoo. Number one is still Eye the Beholder. Number eighty nine is, of course, the Trouble with Templeton. Uh, next episode uh, is directed by Richard L. Bear again. Hey, I don't hey, know Nick. this episode. Yeah, what's number seventy two? <laughs> <laughs> A piano and <laughs> Oh my god! It's actually seventy-three now. Thank you very oh. much. Oh. <laughs> Get it correct. Get it straight. Number uh, seventy-three. So yeah, a piano and the, the house. house. Oh my god! Um, speaking of uh, podcast, that's <laughs> <laughs> they um, did a long time ago. <laughs> Moving on. But speaking of like Rod Sterling uh, making fun of like another TV series, the next episode is season three, episode twenty-five, called "The Fugitive," directed by Richard L. Bear, written by Charles Beaumont. Charles stars Jat Pat, J. Pat O'Malley, Susan Gordon, <laughs> Nancy Kolf, and Wesley Lau. I don't know. Apparently, old man likes kids, something like that. I don't know. That's what that's what Ross only said in the, <laughs> the concluding portion. But uh, and he's a monster. we'll look forward. To, he's a monster. Little yellow, different. He's a fugitive. So there you go. All right. He's so on with the us, search uh, for a one-armed man. Yes, one-armed kid apparently. <laughs> but um, anyways, with that said, we're going to head out. But before we do, uh, audio feeds, of course, anchor, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. But Chris. As always, it's awesome that you you were willing to come on and talk to us. It's uh, much appreciative. I, uh, you know, it's uh, always awesome to talk to someone who loves the Twilight Zone as much as we do because it's, uh, you know, it, it's something that people people love, but not as many people love that um, are younger than what I was expecting. But yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. But either way, thank you so <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. And with that said, you have content. You have a great channel um, that you have been doing for. A, about as long as I have at this point, I think about over five years now. So mm-hmm. um, where's that content located? Uh, best place to find me, YouTube, uh, movies and munchies. Um, I'm also on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, but I suck at that. So really just find me on the YouTube and then you can, <laughs> the YouTube. Oh my gosh. I'm like 75 years old. Now. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Just hit me up on YouTube. I love interacting in the comments, um, you know, movie and TV reviews and sometimes snack reviews as well. Ooh, awesome. Yeah. If you make, if you make bad comments, we'll uh, send you to wherever the, the cremulence or cremulence or 
Kemenites are located. So, <laughs> well, you know where uh, it is. It's our planet. Kemenites. Our planet. Our planet. Uh, yeah, don't come to our planet. Go to another planet. Get eaten by Kemenite. <laughs> Better than Q or uh, R or, or Q or S planets. There you our go. Planet. Absolutely. Triv. Yes. You just released a video. Hallelujah. I? I think so. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, you just released Did a I? video. Uh, yeah, in the last week or so. So that's awesome. Uh, you have content. Where is that located? Uh, you can find my content in a weird theater in a dimension that's far, far away. And yet right down the street. Fine. You can find me on YouTube <laughs> at Trivial Theater. Uh, I do random, obscure, straight up bad movies. Yeah. I just released one called Blood Theater. It's a fun little weird movie that was done in the 80s. And oh, my God, there's some spangly uh, camel toe that goes on and it's just downright weird. So stop by, say hi and look yes, up for whooshy doors. <laughs> Jacob, yes. you just finished your uh, your second uh, series on video game consoles, Woo-hoo. and uh, it was awesome. And uh, it makes me realize that the N sixty four it makes me feel old now because it's quite an old console at this point. What ninety ninety five ninety six? That makes me feel real old. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what? Yeah, it was twenty or thirty years now since that console release. It's crazy. So, give or take, yeah, yeah. almost. Yeah. So, bigger question: um, Did it make you feel all tingly? Definitely, especially with the uh, the rumble pack inserted <laughs> and, the, and the expansion pack. Yeah, oh yeah. god! Um, but where's that content located? Uh, you can find me on the YouTube's on the internet, <laughs> and uh, at I have two channels. You can, uh, if you're interested in movie reviews from me, you can look at Jacob Anders reviews. Uh, not uploading as much right now, taking a hiatus at the moment, um, and working on my retro Jake XY channel uh where i do long form video retro video game console documentaries i guess i don't yeah something like that i talk a lot like here and uh <laughs> about old stuff because i'm old so yeah i just recently did a five point five <laughs> part not point five part series on the nintendo 64 and those are all out and the full long video is out go check that out and subscribe and like and bell notifications and patreon and all, all that stuff yeah do that trying to grow that of uranus and yeah uranus is we want to get mario mari povich on this show so yeah i'm on <laughs> twitter too much like chris said i, I suck at it i yeah. really use it for like dms and and posting funny videos i see <laughs> random stuff around the world um yeah so look forward to their content there i am of course on all those uh youtubes and that's where this video posts i'm also on like the blue skies and the threads and the, the x's and uh whatever whatever there's a thing for i'm probably on at some point doesn't mean how i actually look at them very often but i'm like with these guys i don't yeah it's kind of just like social yeah true social <laughs> where, I, where i talk about to serve man and all that good stuff yeah yeah so. <laughs> anyways with that said uh we're gonna head out for the time being until next week and for myself triv jacob and chris we'll see you guys next time in the twilight zone peace out bye-bye.